bite off a piece of chocolate? Yeah. <laughs> Are you eating the chocolate that I got from work? Yeah, I am. Oh, my gosh. James. James, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? You're doing oh, swell. I'm eating chocolate. Good till you ate my chocolate. I'm going to keep eating it, too. <laughs> is it white chocolate? It, well, yeah. What color is it? It's white. Um, hey, I don't really care for white chocolate. I like it when it's mixed with dark. Which is I'm a big white chocolate fan. Mm-hmm. I like white chocolate by itself, yeah. Mm, no, you're weird. Um, listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. Slay Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Yeah. I'm Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. <laughs> James <laughs> sounds exasperated with us already with that long pause. I know. We think that he's he's about done with us already, and we're not even two minutes into this podcast. Um, mm. How have you guys been? I'm doing good. I've had a tickle in my throat today. Oh, great. Mm. So if I've been coughing all day. And I'm trying to not cough as I'm talking right now. Just take a drink of water. I don't have any water. <laughs> um, Keep talking. Here, here, Entertain the listeners. I'll entertain well, them. Well, I'll provide I some, always do. I'll thank you. I'll provide some ASMR for them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stomps in the other room. We found out today, obviously, that James is Nikola Tes- Tesla reincarnated. <laughs> I think that's the biggest piece of news that I've received today. Uh, James, what do you got to say about that? Uh, it is weird. Like reading on his childhood, a lot of the the things that I thought was either normal or just unique to me, turns out he did too. Yep. Totally weirded so, out by this. So listeners, that kind of explains James a little bit. <laughs> nothing can explain me, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So you're listening to Cece, Alex, and Tesla, and... <laughs> Yeah, I think other than Alex's tickle, James, what what have you been up to? Ah, uh, this and that. Not liking the cold. Not liking it right now. Normally do, but it's been so dry, and there's ice on the road, and I, I oh, it's just not fun. I, I long for summer now. I don't envy you because it's like really nice here in Atlanta. It's like a little chilly, but James, is it so cold and dry that your face is getting all peely? Oh, are you talking about It's so cold and dry. My hand has like little scale patches on it. Uh, yeah. Ew. We should take a picture yeah. and post it on the Instagram Lizard page. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. What are we talking about today? Mars. Mars. Mars, Mars. <laughs> oh, you stole my joke. I said I was going to make a bar on Mars and call it the Mars Bar. Oh, oh sorry. Uh, sorry to take no the, the wind out of your sails. Yeah. Well, there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of wind on Mars anyways. Uh, Actually, I don't know if that's uh, true or not. I made that yeah. up. Oh, no, oh, well, you're dead right. That's actually a big part of my topic. Oh, oh, wow. So, so a <laughs> yeah. preview you into yeah. James's. You could have you just played that, and, and I thought that was very impressive. <laughs> uh, when, we, when we edit the podcast, we will make it look that way. Oh, so, man. yeah, I guess we're splitting topic like this. Alex is covering just what we're doing to get ourselves to Mars, because it's a huge mission right now. Everyone's talking about it. It's on the lips of everybody. And... Uh, I'm covering the simulations we're doing here on Earth, and James is talking about what it would actually be like to live on Mars. I have a question for you all, since I'm going first today. We're starting from Earth, 
And then we're going to Mars, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we've kind of mentioned something similar like this before, but I'm going to broaden it to yes or no answer to what would it take for you to go to Mars? We know, we know, we already know James would just mm. go on a one way trip without any supplies and just die on Mars. Yep. He, that's what he wants to do. Is that still the case, James? Yep. He wouldn't <laughs> would need a darn thing to go to Mars. Nope. I think that for me to go to Mars, my life would have to be threatened. <laughs> Someone would have to say, you stay here, you're going to die. And like, I'd have to know like in my heart that, that was true. Yeah. And then they could shoot me up to Mars. I would just need to know that I could come back because that seems to be the one of the biggest problems. Yeah. Everything that I read was like, they want to send people up there for like two plus years, but like, I don't know how you get people back. I don't know. What do you mean? Get people back from Mars. It seems like it's a one-way mission. Well, maybe I'll get into it a little bit. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got an icebreaker. Mine was so not good, we're doing two. Yeah, we're, we're doing two. <laughs> I, I've also got an icebreaker. And mine is, if you did go to Mars, what would you miss most about being on Earth? Oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Life in yeah, general. I was, I was actually going to say, yeah, all the, the plants and animals, all the flora and fauna of Earth. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't miss the people, <laughs> but I would miss a lot of the food that the people make. Yeah, I think that I would miss the food. In my brain, the first thing I thought when I asked myself this question earlier was I would miss your mom's chicken noodle soup. <laughs> and this, you have become obsessed. Uh, yeah, I have. Obviously, family and friends are excluded from this this question. So you can't say family and friends. Neither of you did, surprisingly. So Mm -hmm. Alex would miss Taco Bell. James would miss the flowers and the bees. I mean, I was thinking more authentic, like Mexican food rather than Taco Bell. But Taco Bell is a good point. Especially if I get like the weekly specials that they do or like the monthly items. If they had a Taco Bell on Mars, I think that you would probably get the worst stomachache and die. Mm. Because there's no one. I think Taco Bell on Mars. That's the one thing that would put me off of going. <laughs> well, okay, and I don't know how, how low is the gravity on Mars. I know it's not like it's not moon low, but how? Um, it's pretty dang low. In fact, let me look it up just to be a hundred percent. Give it a hard. So note. Taco Bell could potentially put me into the atmosphere after eating it. Oh goodness. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's a little under one third. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, are you guys ready? Ready to discuss Mars? Oh, Alex is making himself <laughs> giggle. He's got himself on a giggle fit, you guys. I just made a fart propulsion joke. And oh, uh, you know, before we move on, uh, <laughs> James, I know I sent this to you, listeners. Highly, I've got a Netflix program to recommend to you. It's for children. But it's called Space Jungle. Oh, James, mm. you will love it. I sent James mm. the clip of the Tutti yeah. Fruity. Did he watch it, though? Yeah, he said WTF, which is probably mm. what I would say if I saw it, too. But you guys, you need to watch it. It's a little TV show for kids. I think it's from, like, Japan. Or, yeah, it's from Japan. Yeah, and yeah. it's... <laughs> There's nowhere else it could be from. <laughs> Only they're that crazy. It's these four little aliens who crash land on Earth and... They've got to live here, and there are lots of farts. Lots of farts. If you like farts, you need to watch the show. Well, it's more than just farts. It's like almost every episode is like a Who Killed Kenny? Yeah. Almost like it. Not they don't die, but they end up in pretty bad situations. 
Yeah. And then they're fine the next episode. It's really funny, though. Yeah, it's, it's actually very clever. Each episode ends in an unexpected way. But <laughs> it does. I do highly recommend that show. So anyways, okay. So we're going to hop on into Mars. Alex is going to be talking about what we're doing to get to Mars. So Alex, please inform us. All right. Let me know if I step on your toes at all. You're doing travel to Mars, right? No, I'm doing high seas. I'm doing the simulations. Oh. Did you not listen to what I just... All right, go on. No, I was thinking about the tingle in my throat, which is at the forefront of my mind right now. All right, go on. So, the journey to Mars is both easier and harder than we think. Astrophysicist Andrew May says some interesting things about this. And I did get all my information from Tech Radar and National Geographic. Ooh. Yeah, so he says in terms of basic rocket science, the technology that took Apollo to the moon could have been extended to a Mars mission pretty easily. And he goes on to say that it's a longer journey, but in the years since Apollo, there's been plenty of experience in terms of like long duration space flight, in terms of uh, like orbiting the planet and being an international space station. And he says, so at a theoretical level, at least, it's really, there's nothing stopping us from going to Mars. Like, we could send people there right now. But when we get there, that's the right. different part. And that's where some of the kind of debate comes in and so if we've got the experience to make it because the trip to mars is nine months and then nine months back eh, it'll probably take a little like a little longer to get there or back depending on when you leave but there's also no terraforming there's no space cows there's nothing there waiting for us no it's pretty lame except for the oh wow you gave me a really good idea to talk about alex Tell you guys later. Well, how smart. (laughs) The biggest problem, unsurprisingly, is technology. And while we can definitely get to Mars, going back and forth is it's a big deal. And definitely currently not an option. The thing that's holding them back though from creating these tech isn't the advancements in technology, it's budget. It's so expensive. Yeah, and since budget is not enough. They have to create more affordable ways to get the same results. So whoever's going to Mars, they're not taking a Lexus. They're taking a Kia. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of sucks. Like that's something so in the grand scheme of things, irrelevant, like a budget is what holds back, holds us back from conquering the universe, you know? And what? At least one little part of it. Yeah. And another concern is the risk, which uh, to that I say, who cares? We have plenty of human guinea pigs that yeah. are totally down to die on Mars. Yeah, or even what? just die on the way, like James. Yeah, like he, as he sit and, sit and taps on his computer, and he's he's just, he's ready to go. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's pro- what, Those clicks you probably hear are probably James typing in, earliest I can fly to Mars. He's looking for a space <laughs> ticket. A space ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Like I said, that journey is nine months there and back, and the problem is that that's a lot of time for something to go wrong, and mm. so they have to have all these redundancies for things to go wrong, because unlike orbiting Earth, when something goes wrong, you're not a phone call away. No. And once you set course for Mars, you can't turn around. <laughs> you gotta go. Gotta keep moving. So... NASA plans on putting people 
in orbit around Mars in the 2030s. A.K.A. Definitely not the 2030s because I'm pretty sure everything in science gets pushed back every year. Yeah, yeah. there should be a rule about that. Alex's Law. All, all science uh, involving space is 20 years after it's posted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, as you can imagine, uh, going all the way back just to be – just to be – going all the way to Mars just to be put in orbit? No, thank you. You're not even going to touch Mars? Yeah, if you're like that close, it's like, you know, when something's just right yeah. out of out of your grasp. I guess there's all those Apollo missions that didn't touch the moon. Yeah, but they could have gone back. You know what I mean? They should have. They will. <laughs> so, <laughs> in terms of going floating around the planet, they may actually be able to land. I'm just not sure if it's electronics they're, they're going to send down from orbit or people. My guess, electronics. Yeah. Because people are a lot harder to bring back. Well, we've already kind of done that. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have. Yeah. That's right. That so, was so sad when, when, what probe was it that died and it like gave its last little message? Man, I was sad. Felt so bad for it. Man. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was sad. But I think the interesting thing is that NASA is kind of lagging behind because they said that their goal was to get somebody over at Mars in 2030. But, Musk, at least it's in this 2017 article, 2020, which ain't going to happen anymore. It follows Alex's yeah. law <laughs> yeah. of being pushed back. <laughs> and so now they've pushed it back to 2022. Now, this is going to be an unmanned rocket, so it's not the same. I could see him do it. And they're going to have their first commercial space flight in 2021, which is just flying around the moon. Mm. But you gotta pay. No, pay them big bucks. Can you imagine how expensive that's going to be? No, but some James people, has been saving up for it his entire life. <laughs> some people would pay for a one-way ticket, like James. Yeah. Mm. So, hey, you can save on the cost, James. Yeah, there we go. I'm gonna go to Travelocity. <laughs> <laughs> Take a gnome with you. Yeah, you'll probably yeah. get an even more discounted rate. Yeah. <laughs> With how itchy your throat tends to be, we ought to get a sponsorship from Halls, and they can pay for my ticket. <laughs> but the problem is, is you would hear the Halls clicking on my teeth uh, whenever yeah, I have my tongue swirling around. <laughs> Trust me, I've thought about it. Uh, <laughs> so, when when is SpaceX actually going to get us to the red planet? Well, uh, w- when the unmanned ships sent to Mars... They're going to drop off supplies. They're going to drop off a facility to manufacture power because they're using, uh, they're using, what was it, hydrogen? No. I thought it was hydrogen fuel. Yeah, it is. They're using Mm -hmm. hydrogen fuel because they're able to, they're able to create it on the planet. They're also going to take mining supplies, life support infrastructures, as well as like just a ton of food, all the things you need. So in 20, 22 that's the plan is to have all those supplies on mars so that in 2024 they can get the people on there and they can set up all these infrastructures that are already waiting for them to set up but here's the problem so i didn't know this but every two years we hit a point where we're closest to mars and that's the ideal time to go that way oh right yeah which is why we get these time things so they say a lot of them say that if Musk misses 2022, if he doesn't get those rockets out with the supplies, then it's going to delay the the manned missions by another two years. 
But hopefully by 2024, we'll have people on Mars. That's that's the dream. The dream come true. That's the dream. And so when they land on Mars, kind of one of the things they're going to do is set up a production plant for building the fuel that they need. And the people that land there, they're going to be tasked with collecting one ton of ice every day. Well, there's a lot of ice up there. Yeah, for the plant. But a ton's a lot. Yeah. But eventually, the plan is to have, like, colonies and cities. They're hoping the first city is going to be in, like, 2050. And then the first, like, real, like, gigantic, like, metropolitan is, like, 2100 or something like that. But I think James might know more than about that than me. I just, I just, it makes me think of Star Wars, like, all the different planets. And it's like, oh, let's go to Mars. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to colonize it so that, like, a hundred years later, we can have our first awesome intergalactic space war, where yeah. they try to fight for independence from us, and we're like, "No!" Yeah. <laughs> I think that would probably happen too. Oh, it will. They'd say, "Oh, you yeah, can't, absolutely." Yeah, you can't. Uh, you don't know how we're living up here. It takes you nine months to get over here. You're not the boss of me. Exactly. Beep, boop, beep, boop, pop, boop. <laughs> Let me pull up my stuff. Yeah, teach us. Teach me, Cece. Okay, you guys, James. I'm talking about the high seas Mars simulation experiments. Ooh. Bleh. And most of the research that I got was from the Atlantic, the Verve, and then some little sprinkles of Wikipedia. But the Hawaii Space Exploration Analog and Simulation Experiment, a.k.a. high seas, began, it technically began in 2013. And it's carried out on beautiful, otherworldly slopes of Mauna Loa volcano in Hawaii. Obviously. But it's it's basically the whole point of it is to see how human dynamics would run on a foreign planet where you're kind of isolated from everything. So it's basically a social experiment where they live in this little shelter on this little secluded area in Hawaii. And the area actually does look a lot like the surface of Mars. It's rocky and it has this kind of like rusty red and black colored dirt in the area. It's so, so the area is really appropriate for pretending like these people are on Mars. It can okay. keep up that kind of it, idea. It, it makes you feel like if you had Taco Bell, you could blast through the atmosphere. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, the goal is to study human dynamics to see how people might actually perform when we get to Mars. Because when you're on Mars, you're secluded. You've really got nothing and no one to turn to. So if someone were to get sick or get hurt, what would you do? Or if your water supply, suddenly there's an issue with your water supply and it's not clean, what are you going to do? So they want to study these people and see how they come together to problem solve if issues like this do arise. And see kind of how they would keep up morale and just like get along in general since all the people on these these missions that they've carried out have been strangers. Oh. So these simulations are carried out by the University of Hawaii, and they're funded by NASA, our favorite conspiratorial group. This is the, Hawaii is like located right before that ice wall, right? Yeah, That's, exactly. That, the edge of the world. <laughs> the edge of the world. But the people they pick for the social experiment, they're picked very carefully. Because the researchers want to make sure that whoever they get, that they will, as a whole, work together and mesh well together. Especially since these people are going to be living in really close quarters. I think I read something that said the little space dome that they live in is like 900 
37 square feet and you've got like six to eight people in there. And, you know, they want these people to work and live together harmoniously because they're going to be, everybody's got a job. So everyone's kind of, I guess, given a role when they come into it. Like someone's a commander, someone's a field researcher, someone's all this stuff. Yeah. What would, what would your guys' roles be if you were on a high seas mission? A high seas mission. Yeah. Intergalactic space warrior. <laughs> okay. Someone's <laughs> got to be ready for the aliens. I'm just saying. You don't know if they're there. I think that a biologist would probably be better at this uh, point. See, I was going to say, like, I want to be the first ever xenobiologist. <laughs> Wouldn't you just want to be a geologist since you're just laying on a giant unknown rock? You've got almost maybe no. even a literal gold mine to look <laughs> You could possibly. Xenobiologist. So James would be a xenobiologist. I don't blame him. Who, who wouldn't want to be the person to discover aliens? But James. Oh, we, we already know they're there pretty much. But James, do you want to encounter an alien that you're not ready for and not have a space warrior to back you up? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> what was it, was that movie that we watched where it had Ryan Reynolds and that little that little alien that was black in it? What? It was like a little liquid thing. Oh, life. Life. That's a good one. No, uh, that scared me. That's an awesome one. But that's how I picture aliens being on on other planets. It's just like they're little shape shifting black blobs. Okay, <laughs> so. Anyways, researchers, when they people apply to be a part of these high seas missions and they have to take all these personality tests and go through trainings and they're based. <laughs> I didn't expect that. They came out of nowhere. Uh, they're basically graded on five big traits openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Uh-oh. They want to find people that have. I know. I exactly. <laughs> James can't go. <laughs> that was the. Uh, that was the. When I was doing my research, honestly, James, when I saw that, the first thing I thought was, "Oh, poor James." Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, well, we don't need that xenobiologist. <laughs> <sighs> but they want to find people who are going to have a good balance of all of these traits and not be mm. too heavy-handed on one, one specific trait. Right. Which I feel like I could fit, right? Mm. Yeah, I can see that. I'm pretty balanced. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, The first high seas mission, so to speak, it took place in 2013. Oh. And it lasted four months long with researchers really looking into participants' psychological well-beings on another planet. So they also studied how people would cope with eating a space diet. Primarily freeze dried fruit and preserved foods. It sounds like a new, uh, like, e-celeb diet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did they test to see what the effects on the human psychology when they have to eat one of their own? <laughs> 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 At the end of the experiment, the scientists recommended food with more flavor and more spice. Ah uh, yes, and salt, higher fiber content. Go poo poo. Uh. No, that's the deal. If you just read any story about MREs, that's always how it ends. They can't poo-poo? They have the worst experience is what happens. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. There's an episode of Survivor once where a guy ate too much steak. Oh, he, he, had, he, to be, he had to be evacuated off because he couldn't poop. Yeah. This oh, is the poop yeah. episode, not the Mars episode. I know. I like that guy, though. What was his name, Joe? Uh, anyway. Yeah, like but they use a composting toilet. Uh-huh. 
for the high seas experiment. So they have to like be very careful with their little poo poos <laughs> and keep them, keep them so they can use it. So, okay. Uh, the mom and me's coming out saying poo poos. The second mission, high seas two, it was pretty much the same as mission one, just different people. Lasted four months. Nothing too special happened for that one. But things did get a little different on high seas three, you guys. Oh, they get kinky? No, I. You know, a whole bunch of articles that I read said that there was some romance on one of these missions, but then when I tried to find it, I couldn't find anything. Oh, forbidden love. But the the length of the stay for High Seas 3 was extended to eight months instead of four. So they wanted to see the dynamic between a crew of six over a longer period of time. Would six people be enough to really sustain living on Mars? Because everybody obviously has to carry their own weight and perform tasks to make sure that the whole operation stays afloat. Make sure they have water, make sure they have electricity, you know, that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have people hating on each other, getting getting in a little fights over a little piece of freeze dried ice cream, stuff like that. No. When they when they do these, do they I guess, I guess this is kind of a dumb question. They keep they keep an eye on them the whole time, right? I think so. It's not, like, it's not like they leave them alone and they come back later. Well, they, they do right. have um, – their communications are delayed 20 minutes each way to okay. simulate oh, wow. what, yeah, what it would be like on Mars. Because if we were to send a message to Mars, it would it could take up to 40 minutes to yeah. kind of go back That's and forth. It's fascinating so. considering the live feed we got from the moon landing as we discussed in our, our moon episode. <laughs> exactly. suspicious, yeah. Dang, 20 minutes. Yeah, 20 minutes both ways. So they simulate that with the high seas missions. And yeah. Huh. So. Interesting. I just, for some reason, I kept picturing like they they just cut them loose and they show up later. I just picture like they show up like four months later and like, hey, how'd it go? Yeah. How's your video log? They take your video log and like, turns out like they created their own religion and like they show up and everyone's like. Everyone's got shaved heads. <laughs> speaking and- new languages like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be a lot to accomplish in four months, <laughs> but so high seas four—that's where things get real fun, you guys. Participants stayed on Mars, quote unquote, for a year. Oh, phew. James, can you imagine living in the little a little dome home with with five other people for an entire year? That sounds pretty fun, actually. It's like summer camp. James, <laughs> what if, what if they leave a mess? Oh. Yeah, they just come. They come. They come back after that year to check up, and it's just me. It's just me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what happened to everybody? They fell. Yeah, they, they fell. Well, <sighs> basically, yeah. The the high seas four. They had to live in isolation for a tiny year. Or for a tiny. Year. A tiny year, not a big year. <laughs> is that like New York Minute? This is what, this is what, this is what happens when I go up my nose. But yeah, they had to live in isolation, living in this tiny little bubble for an entire year. They have to eat all the bland space foods. You have to maintain all that equipment that you got, fancy equipment, the rovers and stuff. And you got to manage personalities, which I think is where James would probably get into his trouble. <laughs> I would get in trouble with the food. Alex would get in trouble by just accidentally stepping outside the space dome without a spacesuit on. And just <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, he would stink up the place. They'd throw you out. Yeah. I'd be depriving everybody of their oxygen because <laughs> I had space Taco Bell. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Yeah. But, I'm sorry. 
Jeez. Uh, some of the issues that they ran into on space on 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 high seas four was that they had some supply issues, issues with their water system, etc. So, you know, you got you got to conserve that water. You got to conserve that H two O. Guess how long an astronaut shower lasts during high seas? How long do you have to shower? Oh, it's got to be brief because because the yeah. way the water works there, it just like it lingers in space, right? Uh, you like well, turn the water on, you just kind of like slowly rub it all across. Well, no one can this see what be, I just did. This wouldn't be in space. This would be on Mars. But oh, right. I'm going to go with 90 seconds. Oh. What about you think? What do you think, Alex? Well, I'm trying to think. So I used to do showers in four minutes before I went to work when I was working really early in the morning. Yeah. I think you could get like a solid shower in in 30 seconds if you just time your water like bursts really fast. Burst really fast. Yeah, yeah you just got to do like a burst, scrub, wipe it all off, and you got to have just enough to get the get the soap off. Alex, you are actually correct. A, a, a little shower on the high seas is supposed to be 30 seconds long. Dang. <laughs> I could not even shampoo my hair in 30 seconds, but you're yeah, right. If yeah, I did I it short burst. I just lost burst, interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, James, yeah, James it, is it's done. A, it's about turning it on, getting it where you need it to be, the water, and then you do all the stuff, and then you turn it on to get it out. Yeah, mm. well, the crew members, have, they have to exercise every day to simulate what it would be like living in a place with less gravity. So they have to exercise a lot more to kind of, I guess, simulate the wear and tear on the body. So basically huh. everybody exercises, they get all sweaty, and then you got a 30-second shower. Oh, okay. No. Huh. That sounds like torture to me. It sounds like torture to James, too. I can just, I can hear you, James, on the other side of this just, Cringing. Mm-hmm. Yep. But High Seas 5 happened in 2017. How many died? Nothing crazy to report that year. Oh. But then High Seas 6, y'all, it was drama. Oh, no. And it was cut way short. So I learned all about this on The Atlantic. It, there's a really good uh, <laughs> article about the High Seas 6 mission on The Atlantic. Maybe we'll post it to our Twitter, <laughs> Alex. But... Four days into the study, one of the members got injured pretty badly. Oh. So what happened was that they lost power in their little dome. I guess they hadn't conserved it properly, and so they lost power. So when that happens, the team has to suit up, go outside, and turn a little backup generator that's yeah. run on propane. So whenever they do this, they the two scientists go out, and they have to flip a switch in the generator, and then two people inside have to switch the circuit breaker from whatever they're using inside to the generator. Well, one of the people inside, they switched the, the power over to the generator, but one of the scientists accidentally touched a live wire on the circuit breaker and got shocked pretty badly. Yeah. So they had to get that person the heck out of there, which is a pain. Number one, because they're on like the top of a, mountain a yeah. volcano yeah. so it's not easy to get anybody up there but you can also roll them down though <laughs> roll them down <laughs> well it breaks the simulation because you've got an emt coming up to what is supposed to be mars to get somebody that's hurt and needs needs help out of the the place so it broke simulation so yeah. they had to call it out call it quits on that mission he should have just dressed up like wally and be like <laughs> 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 just float on. It's much more believable. Roll on out. Well, there was. I read that there was another issue in the past. I think that it was. Um, I think it was on High Seas Two. Participants had to 
one of the participants had to withdraw from the experiment due to a medical issue. And so they had to figure out how to handle it because th- these people, they have to like maintain this whole story and idea. Otherwise they're not going to get sound data to see right. how living on Mars would actually be. So on Mars, if somebody gets hurt or dies, what are you going to do? So in on high seas two, this person had to leave because of a medical disorder and they had to pretend like he had died and when he left, they pretended like they were putting his body out in the atmosphere. Like on Mars, if you put a dead body out there, it's not going to decompose. So that's what they pretended was happening just to maintain the whole yeah. idea. So, yeah, they had to, to mimic a, a, a Mars Mars death. Do they have like a fake funeral? They, yeah, they, they basically did. They pretended like his body was going to be out in the open. He had to, whenever, you, uh, whenever you leave or come on to the dome, like into the dome, you have to stand in this little area and pretend like it's depressurizing. So it's oh. like they had to stand there for five minutes yeah. and wait for it to depressurize and then take him out. He left and he walked away with people. But Well, they should have corrected whatever was wrong with him, brought him back, and they could, since he's not deteriorating at like a normal rate, they could have just weekend a birdie the, the, <laughs> re- the, rest of, <laughs> the rest of the time. Wow. So... These high sea studies actually aren't the only Mars simulations that have ever been carried out. Uh, NASA's done some space simulations, I think, in Houston. But then our man Elon, you guys, obviously he's trying to get us to Mars, which you talked about, Alex. But he's actually helped put on similar experiments, but in the deserts of Utah. And they're a lot shorter than the high seas. I think the high seas is like the longest of the long. But the one that happens in Utah is about three weeks and... Scientists basically have to do everything that they do in the high seas. They have to pretend like they're on a, a team. They have to put on bulky spacesuits whenever they go out. They have to perform field work, and <laughs> they have to keep up their personalities and rapport with one another. So, fun stuff. But I want to know, would you guys be able to participate in the high seas mission? No. Yeah, Alex would be too goofy. Pretty hard. No, I, w- I would lose my patience with everybody. I don't like... I like my alone time and the idea of me only being able to have alone time while in a clunky spacesuit sweating and sweating outside by myself is like awful. But you couldn't, when you go outside, I think you have to go out in pairs. You do have like one little tiny room that is yours, your bed. I would be the guy that had the partner that was injured already. So I don't have a pair. It's just me. It's just him. (laughs) Alex wouldn't be able to do it. James... I love you, but I don't think you'd be able to do it either. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and then I uh, I think I could do it for a week and then I'd want to go home. Yeah. And the only reason I wouldn't be able to do it, because I feel like I could probably get along with people and I could help with well, like, could the do field that. work and stuff. Because I don't have to be as, I don't have to have my alone time like you do, but I feel like the food would get me. That's where I would, I'd get very upset. You know, I could, I could do the four month, but I would not be doing the year. I, I could do four months. Well. I could do four It just makes me think, like, what if I don't mesh with someone on a team? Like, you – I feel like anybody who works with people, there's always that one person that you work with that's just, like, you just have to see them and you get angry because they annoy you so much. Yeah, that guy that liked Last Jedi. Yeah, you like <laughs> – I just – I feel like – I feel like there would probably be at least one person on every mission that's just, like – and you know what? You know what? If NASA really wants to conduct an experiment that's sound, you have to put at least one person like that in the team. Because oh, yeah. at least it makes on the high seas. me think of the real world. 
Exactly. <laughs> the real world on Mars. Oh. Exactly. They need to put they need to put a Republican and a Democrat together and then just see what happens. Yeah, put put, put the cast of Jersey Shore together in a little space like that. Oh, that would be or, very entertaining. Oh my the, god, that that is this alone. This is how we should fund it. We it should be pitched to a studio and be a show. You know what? They you know how they have the Big Brother channel? Yeah. Yeah. They should just have like yeah, a channel like this where you just watch these people like yeah, all live within Golly, 939 feet yeah square feet uh well they there wasn't a high seas this year after last year's uh shocking fiasco mm. but i think that they might repurpose the high seas dome to be to simulate a moon landing and a, living on the moon where all the lizard people are remember oh yeah yeah, yeah. also could be on mars it could be i don't think so i think that the only thing on Mars is a whole bunch of ice and the rover. Okay, but when they find a lost civilization, you'll be eating your words. Like, what was that that TV show, Terra Nova? Have we yeah. talked about this before? No, here. Oh, my gosh. James, did you watch Terra Nova? I did not. It sounded cool, though. I'm still really angry about it because of the way they ended it. They yeah, ended it. Really it really cool ending. Yeah, they end it with everybody, like, you know, they're living in dinosaur times. And then they're leaving the little dinosaur era because dinosaurs are taking over. And they find a pirate ship. Yeah, they find like a Viking ship. And so it's like, oh, what the heck? Yeah. And then I mean, ends. to be fair, they did go everywhere. So, yeah. <sighs> Makes me so mad. Wouldn't be surprised if we went to Mars and there was a Viking ship. I'd be like, oh, Lee Ferrickson, you done did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all I really have on the high seas mission. James, are you going to tell us what it's like to actually live on Mars? Will do. Uh, yeah, lead. Silver, tin, bismuth, antimony, mercury, zinc, tungsten, gold, copper, chromium, iron, nickel, and even more important, lanthanum, neodymium, and europium. Those are all, oh, and neopium. Those are all reasons why we should go to Mars. Those are some uh, really useful resources, the biggest of which are the last four I mentioned, because I think I've said this before. The next world war will not be fought over oil or gold. It will be fought over rare earth metals. So that would be one of the reasons why we should go there. Now I'm going to talk about some of the things that we would need to get there. And it's a bit of a problem. And this all ties in with, uh, you know, what life would be like if we terraformed it. Yeah. The biggest, biggest problem with terraforming. NASA straight up says we can't do it. Uh, Elon is much more optimistic, but the biggest issue facing it right now, uh, Alex, you touched up on it with your with your guess about winds, apparently. Um, <laughs> Mars, unlike the Earth, at some point lost its magnetic uh, sphere, and that left its uh, entire atmosphere at the mercy of the sun. And guess what, guys? <laughs> the sun, she's not very merciful. No. So solar winds which is what you were talking about earlier, Alex, completely stripped the atmosphere very bare to the point that the atmospheric pressure of Mars is 0.6% of Earth. 0.6%, yeah. Now, the problem with that, uh, and you, 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 you guys were talking about the, the short showers, and you said that it would just float off the, the water. Quite the opposite. Uh, the problem when you don't have much of an atmosphere is any liquid water just gets vaporized pretty quick and it's part of the atmosphere now and you can't really glean it back. 
So forget having lakes, forget having rivers, forget having baths. You are not going to have sitting water on Mars so long as the atmosphere is 0.6%. So what are the plans? Well, this is what Musk wants to do. He wants to melt the ice caps. So boom, no more ice caps. That'll get it up to a whopping 1.2%. <laughs> then <laughs> mine all the minerals out of the soil, which is what we would go there for in the first place, a lot of them, uh, and heat those up. That'll grow it to uh, another 1.2%. So now we're at 3.4%. Then, right. yeah, then heat up the soil itself to get all the carbon out, uh, to get it you know, vaporized into the, the atmosphere. With all that, we would have a whopping 7% of the Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all that effort, tremendous amount of money, 7%, which is why I was kind of amused, Alex, when you said there's no Mars cows. Maybe that's what we could do. If we could get grass growing, uh, we could have cows just absolutely methane the crap out of uh, Mars. Uh, isn't that what we're complaining about on Earth? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that being said, one of the most realistic things we could do, which sounds absolutely insane, is one, and this is something we could theoretically do, create an artificial magnetic uh, field around Mars. I said magnetosphere. Eh, it's the same thing. Magnetic field, ma magnetosphere, whatever. It's the same thing. Uh, create an artificial one for Mars to protect it from those solar winds. And then, I'm not kidding, bombard it. Bombard it with uh, comets and meteors. Redirect comets and meteors and asteroids to Mars. And in doing so, uh, you know, they burn up in the atmosphere and they create an atmosphere. Huh. Legitimately, I, I mean, it sounds completely nuts, but that's actually the most realistic solution we have right now. So let's say theoretically we, we do that or or another possibility. We just go there anyway. You know, we, we, we create a kind of underground infrastructure. What would life be like at that point? Well, with very little standing water or none, if we're not able to get the atmosphere up and running, Everything would have to be internalized at that point. It would be very similar, actually, to the high seas project. It would accept forever. We would just have to adapt to that. So you'd have indoor grow pods, indoor, probably even underground um, dome shelters, solar-powered, ultraviolet lights in order to make up for the lack of uh, sunlight that people would get. And, uh, and then in terms of water, it would have to be a consistently recycled resource. And you'd almost certainly need hydrogen fuel simply because it's something that, you know, matter can't be made or broken, only moved or changed. Hydrogen fuel would be the only long-term means of not colonizing Mars and then running out of energy. And then it just would turn into like a, a Donner party in space scenario. Ugh. Uh, and then... What would uh, what would be the source of protein? You guys think bugs? Yeah, it would. It kind of reminds me of the the global warming crowd right now. You know, eat the bugs, live in a pod. That's exactly what Mars would be. You would be <laughs> eating bugs and living in a pod. Uh, I also imagine. Yeah, I also imagine that growing soy and turning it into satan using a, a mold would probably be another great alternative to having livestock because again all you could have in terms of livestock on mars the way we're talking about it you know barring a, a full atmospheric terraforming 
would just be insects. So supplementing protein with satan would probably be a really good idea. Do you guys know what satan is, incidentally? No. What is it? Satan is an amazing food. Uh, basically, it's just wheat gluten. So nobody with celiac can come on this mission. It's just wheat <laughs> gluten that's been uh, altered with a fungus and broken down into a, a product similar to tofu in some ways, but consistently more chicken-like, like in terms of texture. But uh, the great thing about it is it's almost a complete protein. It's like 21 grams of protein per 110 calories. And uh, the only protein that's really lacking for like the daily value is lysine. So you get satan and then you get some kind of supplemental food with lysine. Boom, you are you are good to go for the day. So that's one of the reasons why I think that would be an extremely effective uh, and that in the low moisture content be extremely effective way to supplement the nutrition of people on Mars. That, and it's also really versatile. You put some soy sauce on that, boom, you got dinner. So, you know, I wonder if the people with the High Seas Project know about Satan. I'm not trying to turn this into just about that, but it's just fascinating to me. This is the Satan podcast. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about everything Satan. Yeah. Another thing to look at, though, and I this this wasn't something I intended to talk about, but I just feel obligated to because it's become an increasingly common uh, argument that I see with regard to uh, the, the terraforming of Mars, and that is the ethics of terraforming. Because as I mentioned earlier, there is life on Mars, almost certainly. It's just microbial, and it's probably related to us. It's either there because of the probes we sent or because the Earth and Mars have a common uh, lineage. Um I mean, it's even conceivable. Some people theorize that there was life originally on Mars, and then the cataclysm, the loss of the magnetic uh, field, led to uh, the destruction of the atmosphere on Mars, and those solar storms spread microbes from Mars to Earth, which evolved into us. So, Whoa. Yeah. So if there are microbes on Mars, they're related to us. So that begs the question, is it anthropocentric, is it human-centric or Earth-centric to... Uh, to colonize it and as such outcompete those microbes. Some people are actually very opposed to the idea because it means that the natural evolution of those microbes, for all we know, maybe they could have turned into sentient life someday. And we destroyed that opportunity. You could say that about everything here, though, too. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. Everything here evolved alongside of us, whereas with us, we would be a, uh, a feral species. We would be an introduced organism. Um, Kill it. That's <laughs> I, I knew that that was going to be your opinion on it. And and by the way, I actually kind of tend to agree. Even though I empathize with these microbes, half the life of the sun has already taken place. And if if what I was talking about earlier is correct, that it was solar storm sent them here, that means that in all that time we've evolved and they've stayed microbes. So they had a good shot, but no. <laughs> But I just think it's interesting to note that that is an issue. People actually are arguing that it's, yeah. Uh, Some people are even arguing that it's biocentric because uh, of of this notion that anything weaker than us, therefore, doesn't deserve to exist. One person even summed it up as uh, move over microbe, you know? So, yeah, that we're being bigoted. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. Um, One thing that I think would probably be really important to consider with regard to terraforming is the atmospheric concerns because as you guys already know the atmosphere is virtually non-existent anyway 
and almost all of the uh, atmosphere is just carbon dioxide. So it's not something that a person could functionally make use of, which yeah. leads me to wonder if if that is the, the biggest issue, then I think that the best way to terraform uh, and colonize would actually be to, one, create a magnetic field, two, fix that atmospheric issue, but three, this is the big one, really, really, really seed the planet with plant life first and let it take over over a period of probably decades, to be honest. It would take a long time. Yeah. yeah. And even though that's a longer term tactic, I think it's probably the most feasible, whereas Musk's current idea of just uh, baking, the, baking the soil and then melting the ice caps just to get it up to 7%, I don't think that's nearly as practical as creating a magnetosphere and then just using plant life to convert the carbon dioxide into a uh, much more suitable atmosphere for animal life like us. Yeah. Um, I wonder what how big of a difference 0.6 to 7% is. Like, can I take a nice shower at 3%? Um, well, the, one of the problems is we'd pretty much get rid of all the water doing that. Um, in fact, vaporize. well, yeah, yeah, but he can, fact, he can send more stuff every two years. It's a while, man. Um, one of the ways actually to, to fix the, uh, the atmosphere to make it more oxygen rich, funny enough, you should say that is actually to use electrolysis. And that again is going to separate the water into oxygen and hydrogen and make the atmosphere a little bit more like earth, but at the cost of all that water. So that's one of the issues. I mean, you got to bear in mind, you got to breathe before you can drink, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a good point, James. Yeah. Earth, Earth ain't sharing water with Mars. I, I no, no, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> that's I know what the war's going to be over. Yeah. <laughs> over water. Um, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I think that we'd be much better off uh, colonizing Europa than Mars just because of the absence of water and the yeah. absence of an atmosphere. But what's and uh, now see that though is where I kind of draw the line ethically because the life that's probably on Europa probably is more advanced than microbes at this point uh, and probably yeah. does have a right to be there. I think so, so too. Yeah, so that that could be a big issue. Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely more advanced. Yeah, uh, and another thing that we could do is introduce a lot of ammonia, um, and this is I think also a very feasible thing i mean compared to everything else i mean we're all talking about really out there stuff but if we were to actually redirect an ammonia rich object like a planetoid and get it to collide with mars boom instantaneous atmosphere i mean because ammonia breaks down into nitrogen and hydrogen in just a few hours guess what our atmosphere is made with carbon dioxide nitrogen and hydrogen and we already got the carbon dioxide so you get enough ammonia to collide with Mars if it has a uh, magnetic sphere to protect it from those solar winds that I was talking about. Probably going to have something closer to resembling our atmosphere almost overnight. James, you chemistry nerd. <laughs> so I think that would probably be the, the best method. And then using orbital uh, mirrors to diminish the uh, ice caps would probably help too. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? What else? Ask me some questions. That way I'd have some better, quicker answers. Because this is a lot of information. I, let's, let's narrow it down. Ask me a question about colonization. Well, I um, I read something about like building structures on Mars. Uh -huh. 
And they said it said that they've come up with a method to like use the soil to turn to make little Mars bricks. Oh yeah, berm houses is what you're describing. That's that's a wonderful new technology that's really coming into on on Earth. That's actually something I've looked at as to to live in because berm houses are the bee's knees. Basically, all you do is you take plastic bags, you fill them with soil, you stack them like an igloo, you pack that with soil, and boom, Hobbit house. Hobbit wow. house. Yeah, they actually teach workshops in Berea to build berm houses. I so, could yeah. see you living in a Hobbit house. Oh, yeah. Easily. It's a dream. Yeah. Alex, do you have any questions? No. Uh, I have a question. I've learned. Ah, I have a question. Come up with something. I think that... I put think that... Spot. Do... What would be the first animal they put on Mars? Ooh. Well, uh, excluding, like, crickets and mealworms and people... Um, Let's see, probably, like, if I think about livestock that would be more practical, I would say either goats or camels, because oh, you can do a lot with a goat, and they eat very little, uh, so they would be very useful for that. Yeah, then you just yeah. scoop the water out of a camel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. That, I know that's yeah. not how it works. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you think, you know, they say that a cockroach can survive anywhere. Do you think a cockroach could survive on Mars? Uh, not currently. The atmosphere is too much of an issue. But if if that wasn't an issue, if it had an atmosphere and it was just trace amounts of food, they'd probably do all right. They do better than us. Don't, <laughs> don't take the cockroaches. Okay. Yeah. My next question is uh, what would happen if somebody got pregnant and had a baby on Mars? Oh, man. I don't know if that would be feasible the way things stand. But ultimately, part of building the infrastructure would mean being able to sustain life indefinitely. And that would mean being able to handle uh, human births. And it's kind of cool to think about. You think about the first uh, European child born in, in America, who, yep. you know, it's kind of a big deal. The first kid born on Mars, regardless of what happens, would be a historic moment for sure. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? Right. And then obviously James wants to be the first person to die on Mars. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how long would it take to dig a grave on Mars, James? <laughs> It'd probably be a little bit easier. We'd have a uh, probe do it. God, now I'm thinking about that poor probe. What was its message? It was something like, it's getting dark. Do you guys remember that? God, <laughs> I it was so bad. Is that a setting or something? Let me look it up. Yeah. Oh look my it up. God, it was so depressing. Tell my, I think it was, like, it was like, tell my family I love them. <laughs> Yeah, the alien book, Delmite. Good. I love them. Bye. Last (laughs) Mars transmission. It's getting dark and my battery is low. Yep. My battery is low and it's getting dark, yeah. That's sad. Maybe maybe whoever gets up there next will like juice it up and I'll be like, Honestly, that's seriously like one of the reasons I want to go. I gotta save him. Gotta (laughs) save opportunity. (laughs) What if his little his little body opens up and there's a little a little plant inside, kind of like like Wally? In Wally? Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness! Well, he found a flower. What if James goes and saves it, but then dies because you know it's a one way mission for him, mm-hmm. and in his honor, it creates a James Scarecrow. Ooh, that is <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> what do you wow. think, James? You'd be the Scarecrow, so you tell me. <laughs> I think it's time to wrap this episode up. (laughs) (laughs) With that, I think that we're done. Do you guys want to pick our next episode? Yeah. All right.
Pick it out, Alex. Get it. What are we talking about next week? Talking about secret and abandoned cities. Yeah. Ooh. That'd be interesting. There's some really cool ones out yeah, there. Yeah, there are lots of really cool ones. Lots of abandoned cities. And that topic was submitted to us by Nick Yu. Thanks, Nick Yu. He's one of my new coworkers at work. He's oh, awesome. Well, right. thank you, yeah. Nick. Thanks, thanks for the recommendation, Nick. I'm going to tell him that. He's got an episode coming up. Uh, uh, we yeah. promised to talk less about human scarecrows yeah. uh, <laughs> during that episode. <laughs> well, we can't guarantee anything, but we'll see. Uh, I could um, just picture my impaled mummified body on Mars. Just James. You know, a crow landing on it. Well, really? <laughs> hey, hey, James. <laughs> yeah. No crows on Mars. No crows. Mm. Sorry, James. But it, you will be nicely preserved, so just yeah. keep that in mind. Oh, God. Uh, all right, so... <laughs> If you guys want to follow us on social media, please do it. We've, we've got an Instagram page and a Twitter and a Facebook page at 13th Floor Podcast. You can also, if you have any topics, if you want to be like Nick Yu and you want to get your name set on the show, you want to get credit for an episode that we do, send us your topic suggestions. You can send them to us on any of the social media platforms, but also... 13th floor podcast at gmail.com. Alex, who does our music? Our music is Signal by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. All right, guys. With uh, with that very dark, depressing ending, it's time. I don't time- know. Me and, me and James really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's head off into the world and live our lives until we record next. Uh Until next time, listeners, we hope that you can keep keep it strange. Scarecrow chips. My battery is low. Going to Mars, baby. Mm-hmm.